You are listening to Learn Out Loud's Biography Podcast. With this series, we will explore the lives of notable people throughout history, whether it be world leaders, political activists, spiritual luminaries, great artists, or everyday people. This podcast will be a showcase for their story. For a complete listing of Learn Out Loud's podcasts, please visit us at www.learnoutloud.com podcast. Thank you for listening. This Learn Out Loud biography podcast is provided by the Amazing People Club. This bio-view story combines biography and interview, delivering the life story of the person as if they were still alive. For more bio-view stories from the Amazing People Club, please visit www.learnoutloud.com slash amazingpeopleclub. A bio-views recording for the amazingpeopleclub.com. All rights reserved. Mary Edwards Walker 1832 to 1919. Having qualified as a doctor, I wanted to help save lives. Once the Civil War started, I volunteered to serve in the Union Army. The officers rejected my application. What could a woman contribute? It was typical of the treatment given to women in those days. We were seen as second-class citizens. I came from a strong family with four sisters and a brother. Our father and mother, Alver and Vester, believed in equal opportunities. Father had built the Oswego Town School on our family land. Our parents were forward-thinking and told us to be proud and achieve. They challenged many conventions. One was to support a more functional dress style for girls. We abandoned the tight-fitting dress worn by others. It helped us in our work on the farm. Father also encouraged us to have a professional career. Like two of my sisters, I became a teacher. However, there was prejudice all around. The Constitution said that all men were created equal. It did not apply to women, black people, or the poor. By 1853, I had saved enough money to study medicine. I was the only woman in the medical classes. By modern standards, it was a short course of three semesters. I was the second American to qualify as a doctor. The next year, I married Albert Miller, another doctor. We set up a medical practice. However, few patients would come to see me. They doubted that a woman could do the job, perhaps like some people today doubt the ability of women pilots. My marriage was also under stress. It was time to move on. The Civil War was starting, so I applied to be a Union Army doctor. Again, the same argument and response. Qualifications were acceptable, but a woman not acceptable. Being rejected by the army was another blow. Despite this, I enlisted as a nurse in Washington's Patent Office Hospital. Injured soldiers from the Battle of Bull Run were treated. Casualties from the battles were high and surgeons in demand. At the Battle of Chickamauga, I was deemed to be a volunteer surgeon. Hospital conditions were poor and the hours worked were long. My performance led to a promotion. General Thomas of the 52nd Ohio Infantry made me a replacement surgeon. Many of his subordinates showed me that they did not approve. My view was that lives needed to be saved and I could help. On a number of occasions, I crossed enemy lines. We had to treat and retrieve our soldiers. However, I saw much suffering amongst the families of the enemy. They needed help, and where I could, I provided it. Colleagues again criticized me. They said I was using our federal supplies to help the enemy. To me, they were all Americans. 
While I was in enemy territory, I gathered useful information. This was included in reports about enemy deployments and morale. Some people said that I was a spy. To me, it was no more than trying to shorten the war. It was on a visit across the border that the enemy caught me. It was south of the Georgia and Tennessee border. Dressed in full Union Army uniform, I encountered rebel soldiers. Taken before General Hill, I was sent to prison in Richmond. Four months in dark and dreary conditions. The rebels were somewhat embarrassed by having a female prisoner. Eventually, I was traded for a Confederate officer. It was part of an exchange of doctors from both sides. On my return, I tended the wounded at the Battle for Atlanta, and then worked at a women's prison in Louisville, also at an orphanage in Tennessee. It was a relief when the war was over. A war injury led to me getting a small pension. General Sherman and Thomas recommended me for a medal. It was awarded in January 1866. But never trust politicians. In 1917, they told me to return it. A new edict said only those in combat could have medals. I refused to return the medal on a matter of principle. Instead, I wore it every day. Only in 1977 did President Carter reinstate the medal officially. On leaving the army, there was much to do. My marriage, after thirteen hectic years, had come to an end. Again, that was unusual, as divorce was not common in those days. Although a sad day, it was necessary to start again. My involvement in the human rights movement took priority. I campaigned against drink and tobacco. Both were wrecking people's lives. When attending meetings, I dressed in men's clothing. A woman wearing pants is accepted today. In my day, it was frowned upon, particularly as I also wore a suit and a top hat. At times, I carried two guns. It was a case of showing that I was an equal. For dressing in this way, I was arrested on various occasions. The issues were more important than my dress. The suffragette movement was gathering pace. There was a need for political action. To start, I wrote a book called Hit. Women needed a manifesto. I had a lot to write about. Marriage, divorce, war, the army, and life. Teaching, nursing, and working as a doctor had taught me a lot. Seeing en route the problems of women in a man's world. Women needed a voice in the making of the laws. That was my main message. In 1878, my next book was about the science of immortality. To bring about change, I entered an election for Congress. Although I was not elected, I continued to lobby on many lecture tours. I spoke up for women, including a visit to Great Britain, advocating birth control, dress reform, temperance and health issues. This has led to changes in the law in Western countries. Modern women may take women's rights for granted, but the battle in other countries is just starting. May they continue to support the values and vision.